Sri Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai. Or Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Or Premanandhe ki So we're continuing our discussion of the Brahma Vimohan Leela and we're in the final section of the first chapter of this narrative consisting of three chapters. Really two chapters of the narrative and then the third chapter of Brahma's reflection on the significance of that narrative. <clears throat> and uh, as we've heard, it's an important section, both in terms of its showcasing uh, Sambandha Rupa Bhakti, one of the two types of Raghunuga Bhakti that Rupa Goswami has taught us about, excuse me, and also from the point of view of tattva. Here in the narrative we find Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. That will come more in the next chapter. You'll have to follow me to California for that. Um, as we continue, this will probably be our last uh, discussion of this Leela. No, we'll try to breeze through it a little bit and come to the end of chapter 12 um, with the killing the slaying of Agha then of course this sets up the um, praise on the part of the demigods and Brahma's taking notice hmm? and with his appearance then full face of the uh, the, the, the name of the Leela Brahma Vimohan comes to the fore as Brahma's creates some mischief and is bewildered himself only to be enlightened hmm? as to the uh, position of Krishna as the fountainhead of all avatars even the source of his own uh, immediate source Vishnu Narayana so uh, Agha's entered the scene um Atagaha Namabhyapapta So we heard he in the midst of their playing he caused some uh disturbance. We talked about different reasons for this entry and the primary being Yogamaya's arrangement that the pastimes might have a diversion and, and continue and proceed with some order at the same time and that lunch would be taken without uh, further delay. And uh, from a lesser point then as well, uh, we heard that Kams, of course, in, enlisted this uh, Agasura. And uh, so a little bit about that we discussed, but... Um, Shidiva Goswami has depicted him nicely in his explanation of this Leela as comes to that as of course being very disturbed at the fact that his efforts thus far to slay Krishna had all gone in vain and taking advantage of the fact that with regard to that two of his emissaries, his agents of evil um, Bhakasura and Putana were related and uh, as brother and sister 
of Agasura, quite a family of <laughs> of Asuras. Um, and um, he was known for his sleeping. As they say, let the sleeping snake lie, something like that. Um, of course, Kamsa wanted to wake him up, and the point of being, let the sleeping, like that's the English saying, let the sleeping snake lie, because if he wakes up, there's every chance that he could bite you. <coughs> so this is not a particularly um, 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 biting type of a snake, but a, but a swallowing type of a snake. <laughs> It was an unfortunate event that recently occurred in, uh, in in Florida. Some of you are from Florida. No, it happened to Canada, I'm sorry. Where a, a snake, a python, escaped from a pet shop and swallowed up to a five- and a seven-year-old child. It's very shocking. Hmm? But um, this is what uh, Agosurus was about. He was that type of a... Serpent, we don't have those at Madhavan. Just, just in case you're worried. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, so it comes and woke him up, and uh, and of course played on his uh, sympathies. He actually played to his good qualities, in that. Um, it's a there are universal uh, truths. There are universal the universal virtues, I want to say, um, uh, for example, there's the um, the saying that uh, um, there's the question as to the value of honesty amongst thieves. But there is such is the point. After robbing the bank, then they sit and and want to divide the 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 uh, loot uh, fairly, honestly. What was your part? What was your part in the heist? And your part in the robbery? And everyone get their fair share, something like that. So it doesn't appear very meaningful to have honesty amongst thieves, but um, such virtues are uh, universal. It's um, we can employ this um, saying and understanding with regard to the truth and the good qualities of material existence. Prahlad weighs in on this in the Bhagavatam when he says, what does he say? He says, yasyasti bhakti bhagavati akinchana sarver gunais tatra samasate sara haru bhakta sikato mahatguna manonate nasati bhavatu So he says that the, that the devotees have all good qualities, all the qualities of, of the gods, the suras, divine qualities. Hmm? And by contrast, those who are not devotees, they don't have good qualities, or the idea is that the qualities they have are um, like like the good qualities, I should say, like like the good qualities amongst thieves. They're shadows of um, actual good qualities, shadow of honesty, for example. If the premise of my honesty is falsity, which is the nature of material existence and the false identification with mind and, and body and so forth, then what is the meaning of the honesty within that? Only as much as such virtue might 
bring us into virtu- more virtuous circles where we can have sadhusanga. Hmm. And so there's relative truth and absolute truth. So at any rate, he naturally he loved his uh, brother and sister, or he liked him anyway. Kamsa loved his, well, what's his, his sister too, his sister Debaki, his um but anyway, he was prepared to have her slain on her on her on her on her wedding day. So it gets pretty bad amongst uh, those absorbed asura, as we said, hmm? who, who take pleasure in who who live really for the for sense indulgence. Prahlad said it in a nice way, also when he instructed us that matirna krishne paratasatova mitobi padete grihal bratanam. To make a vrata, a vrata, a vow, to be committed, it means. Marriage is a vow, griha vrata, he says. But it means to be committed to the, to the well of, deep dark well of material existence, of material attachment. In such a person, matirna krishne, the intelligence for understanding Krishna will never come. I used to think like that when I would meet people sometimes selling Prabhupada's books years ago. Um, and and uh, sometimes I remember one fellow, he told me, those books are gibberish. They make gibberish. They mean they make no sense. It was as if we pretended to make a book and just threw things in there, you know, and, and we were selling these false books, something like that. This was his, what he got out of it. I guess he had gotten one previously in some other airport or something like that. And he was, so this, this kind of thought came to me, too much absorbed in, in sense indulgence then. You'll never, you cannot understand the essential ideas here. So at any rate, this um, Kamsa was wise and tactful. I mean, he's a, he was a king, so he was artful in, 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 in manipulating people and pacifying people and knowing how to press their emotional buttons and uh, get things done. Hmm? This is the way of art of politics and so forth. Um, and he, he would have his spies, of course, and know about people and... and, uh, and uh, Know their, as you say, skeletons in their in their in their closets and so forth, and and so this way he had so many demons under his uh, his uh, his command, and so he brought up to him this. He woke him up first of all. They say he was asleep, and he woke the sleeping snake, and and informed him, your brother, your your sister have been killed, and so he played on this sympathy for family, which he expected would be there, and this. Integrity of wanting to get uh, uh, some uh, to, to avenge the deaths of his uh, brother and sister and and um, get justice, do the just thing and apprehend the killer, something like that, make him pay and so forth. It's very, of course, short-sighted in the overall picture. But again, this is uh, he played on the virtues, if you will, at first. And then, thinking along those lines, he began to glorify him and uh, 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 to praise him, and um, 
and he, after all, he had a task that he wanted him to perform that was 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 difficult, arguably, um, ostensibly not, but looking at the history of how Krishna had been uh, effortlessly had killed Putana, hmm? effortlessly had killed uh, Bakasur and others as well at this point. Um, given that history, it was a formidable task. So to wake him up and to get him to do that, he, he played on him in this way. He began to praise him, as I say, but his praise uh, um, was interrupted by his own uh, thoughts as he invoked the examples of other demons in the past who were fond of sleeping, like Agasura, like Kumbhakarna, hmm? and started to praise him and compare him to Kumbhakarna, but then he had to fall short because, of course, Kumbhakarna's life turned out differently. Hmm? Um, right? Hmm? And uh, and then he invoked the, the example of Ritrasura, hmm? who was also quite a sleeper, um, but his life turned out quite differently. He, he became a great devotee, of course. He was a devotee inside. Vritrasur is, is one of the most important demons of the Bhagavatam because, of course, he speaks about Raghunuga Bhakti. Hmm? He cited his, his prayers in Bhagavatam, are cited by, in Priti Sandarbha by Jiva Goswami to help us understand that, that very lofty uh, topic. Hmm? So these weren't good demons to cite, although they were good and appropriate from the point of view of they were both fond of sleeping and there was a comparison still um, <laughs> as he began to praise them and think it out, he stopped short and at any rate, somehow or other, he was able to motivate him and off the sleeping snake went and as as, as we hear... Um, He uh, placed himself along the pathway hmm, in the Vrindavan forest. Hmm. Uh, Bhagavad says he, he thought, "This Krishna has killed my sister and brother Putan and Bakasura. Therefore, in order to please, in order, in order to please them both, I shall kill this Krishna, along with his assistants. These cowherds. Hmm. So this was his." His, uh, his motive, hmm? and of course then his plan was to just open his mouth, that's the idea, and, um, and it worked well enough in that uh, the cowherds found it very inviting uh, and adventurous to think of entering into the mouth, and, uh, and there was some question amongst them whether it was alive or dead, whether it was a snake or a mountain cave or children will be, you know, playful like this and and uh, um, often uh, cast fear to the you know to the to the side and uh, engage in um, adventurous activities that bring them into into danger. When I was very young I had this idea of trying to um, which is passing thing, but there was a straw on the table and there was a pin on the table, so I thought I could, if I could suck in the straw, the pin through the straw and catch it with my teeth. This was my 
adventure that I created for myself. You can see the young boys can get, can get in trouble. And sure enough, I didn't catch it, so I swallowed a pin. My mother had a heart attack that I had swallowed a pin. So they, they had this kind of thing in mind that they would be swallowed by, a little different, but they would be swallowed by Agasura. And uh, imagine thinking that I walk into a mouth of a python and, uh, and surely I'll be able to get out in time before he, you know, closes down his, his, his jaws and so forth and swallows me. Hmm. So this is how they were um, thinking, convincing, debating with one another whether or not uh, was the snake was alive, was real, or whether it was just a cave. Or Ultimately, they, of course, just threw caution to the wind and their adventurous spirit uh, caused them to wander in, and the cows, calves all um, followed them. Um, just going through here briefly the narrative without reading the verses. Um, and and uh, they exhibit a couple of things here that are important for us. Um, they obviously have a kind of a, a confidence to have done such a thing. They have reason for it in that they've seen in the past that um, they've been successful in their adventures. And, and of course, Krishna has always been there to um, save them if there's any, any, um, any danger that they themselves, in and of themselves, cannot, cannot deal with. So they had a kind of a confidence, if you will. Hmm? From the point of view of a sadhaka, then we can draw from this inspiration for the anga, the limb of Sharanagati, that rakshikshatri uh, vishvashvo. Sharanagati, as you know, is sixfold in its qualities. We've talked about it a little bit. It's the outer expression of shraddha, hmm? um, faith. Faith, as I said the other day, is it's it's active. It's not really fence sitting when you when you when you. It's a kind of knowing, actually. It's interesting because, of course, faith is thought in the modern world as a kind of unknowing, a kind of a deviation from the real way of knowing, which is application of reason and uh, and using one's intelligence. So. It's thought to be for the less intelligent in a sense, or where intelligence fails, uh, or you don't know, you make something up and, and believe in it, something like that. Um, but this is really not a... There, there is, I, I believe, there is something called belief and something called faith. Indeed, Bhaktivinotakura differentiated the two, and other theologians in other traditions in more modern times have as well. Bhaktivinotakura's... Um, Idea was that belief is a function of the, of the of the of the mind and intellect. Um, it's a construct, um, uh, whereas faith is another thing. So he differentiated between faith and belief. Belief something that could be um, uh, constructed, and faith something that was imbibed. And of course, he's speaking about divine faith here. The Gita speaks of different types of faith. Arguably, those different types of faith that are governed by the gunas could be, from Bhaktivinoda Thakur's uh, explanation, termed belief. 
rather than faith. Hmm? So when he speaks of faith, when we speak of faith, when we speak of shraddha, of course, then we speak of something transcendental. While the Gita has spoken of three modes of faith, radhasik, sattvic, and tamasic, the Bhagavatam in Uddhava Gita, which very much follows the Bhagavad Gita, uh, speaks also of faith in three modes, as well as, Krishna says, but faith in me, that is transcendental. Hmm? Faith in Shastra may not necessarily prove to be faith in, 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 in Krishna, as there are different interpretations of Shastra. Those who accept Shastra as a praman, as a means of, as, of, of knowing, as evidence, um, and so forth, don't necessarily um, understand the position of Krishna. So he's differentiated between them and um, said, from faith in Shastra, which is sattvic, faith in me, that is transcendental. So this is, of course, what we're talking about when we speak of, of Shraddha and the corresponding Sharanagati. I think in Latin, the word credo, belief, it, it actually is active. It carries with it the, the idea of, of, of putting into practice something like that. So faith is not a, de- a departure from reason. Indeed, reason is an aspect. We would, we would see it differently. Reason is, reason is an aspect of faith. In connection with, with it actually becomes beautiful and um, meaningful. Because, after all, knowing by reason, even... Um, in a material sense, there are many examples that we could cite to um, support the idea that that it, it does not afford a comprehensive kind of knowing. For example, you could reason about the honey inside the jar and what it's con- cons- made of and why it should taste sweet or the fact that it should, or uh, you could say many things about it, and you could know it, hmm? You could apprehend it, in a sense, hmm? intellectually, but not, not know it. There's an argument like this um, uh, a, um, in philosophy of, of mind that comes to mind. The argument of the, of the uh, what is it? Um, the, uh, ma- hmm? Qualia. Yeah, it's about qualia. Um, Mary and, and the color red, something like that. Um, uh, it goes something like this: that, that if you t- there was a, a lady named Mary, and she lived in a in a in a in a room, and she knew everything about color. Hmm? Intellectually, um, she knew everything about color. All you know, a red color meant this many photons and and this much light, and she knew all the technical physical aspects of color, everything that physically constituted what different colors were. Hmm? Um, But uh, she was uh, colorblind, something like that. Hmm? And uh, anyway, she comes out of the room and she loses her, her color blindness or whatever, and she sees a red rose and she understands red like she never understood it before. 
she experiences red hmm? uh, in a way that she could, even knowing everything about it, intellectually, physically, all its physical properties and so forth, arguably she knew nothing about what it meant to be red, to, to experience red. Hmm? So this is, of course, a difficult thing in neuroscience and in philosophy of mind to understand what is, what are the subjective feelings that we experience? Hmm? Where do they come from? Um, um, we would say, of course, from the point of view of Vedanta, that they, that they, are, ref- they are partial experiences of the physical world that we never really touch. They are mediated by the mind and they appear uh, as they do and they are experienced and be but beyond the qualia, the, exper- the, the qualitative experiences that we have that makes us different from that which is experienced. There's, in other words, there's no, there's no like, there's, well, anyway, there's an experiencer for there to be Experiences. There has to be an experiencer. So this is ourselves, and so forth. So, so anyway, the the, the point in this and uh, uh, overall is, of course, that as I say, that intellectual knowing is 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 uh, not comprehensive. It cannot satisfy us. It cannot. Uh, um, it cannot. Tasting the apple is is, is is knowing what an apple is in 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 a way, in a more substantial way. The knowing every other physical property of it that you may not know about. Mm. You may not know anything about what the physical properties of honey are, but if you tasted it, arguably you could say you knew more about it mm. than, 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 than not. Mm. So, little little uh, aside there, how, how do we get onto that tract? Hmm? Yeah, they went. We went from there. Uh, faith is the point. So, so they they had this faith, vishvas, faith. Faith is uh, sharanagati is the uh, practical um, uh, action uh, that uh, it, uh, corresponds with faith, indicates faith. It's an indicator. I want to say. And this faith is, uh, as we understand it, um, is something that reason, in connection with, actually is, 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 finds its full application. And this is what we call Shastra Yukti, also. Chijiva Goswami has explained, we, we're often, we're fond, or we're, we're, we're accustomed to hearing, I should say, that Shastra Praman, Praman means evidence. How do you know what you know? Well, we would say we know by Shastra, ultimately. We know things by our senses. We know things by our reasoning. But we know that our senses and reasoning are faulty and they're incomplete. They cannot give, they can give knowledge. They might give complete knowledge about something, but they can't give comprehensive knowledge about everything. Hmm? And so to get comprehensive knowledge about everything, our argument is, that that which is everything has to reveal itself to that which is not everything. Pujapachudamars hmm. uh, like to give the example of how can the finite know the infinite? You probably have heard the argument before. So to know means to 
to apprehend, to understand, to control. Hmm? How can the finite bring the infinite under its control and know it? Hmm? It seems mathematically impossible, but of course, he said that if the infinite chooses to reveal itself to the finite, then it's possible for the finite to know. So we enter into the, a land where impossible doesn't um, isn't found in the dictionary. This is a Napoleonic saying. Prabhupada invoked it, and it's very uh, appropriate. Hmm? We want to go to a place where impossible isn't found in the dictionary. That's uh, uh, makes for a very uh, exciting plane of uh, experience. We're constantly meeting here with disappointment <laughs> in that uh, we're, we're, we're told that's impossible, that's impossible. You can't do that, you can't do that. But the self, of course, is not part of the limitations of material existence. If you hear... If you hear properly about consciousness, the nature of consciousness, which is the subject of the Upanishads, the basic subject of the Bhagavatam and so forth, if you hear that, you will just, uh, if you lend yourself to listening to that, you'll feel yourself, at first you'll feel so constrained. You can feel the more that you are that's being talked about, that keeps bumping into borders hmm? uh, in the mind, uh, uh, it constantly making um, um, determinations that are are, are borderlines that you, you will feel that uh, that there's there's a possibility of camaraderie that, it, that for example uh, that extends beyond these uh, present limitations bodily mental limitations that don't allow us to get uh, close to one another and to things. And we're just like on the surface. We're not quite touching it, experiencing it, and being the, the, the wonderful uh, thing that we, we are, so to speak. You'll feel those kind of constraints and just want to melt them away. Hmm? And, 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 and this is, of course, we, as we discussed the other day, which is what is required to know the I, that I am, hmm? as a unit of first-person experiential reality, entirely, entirely different from matter. That's hmm? hmm? so such a nice idea. And then, then when we enter there, we just entered the world of all possibilities. It's interesting because you can reason well about the difference between consciousness and matter. Hmm? And it's a very exciting idea that you are consciousness rather than matter. And then the, now we're hearing about Krishna's Leela and there's a big python and, and he's swallowing up some cowherds. And it's like, it's an interesting story. Uh, it doesn't have the same intellectual kind of um, power, if you will, as you're, there's a difference between you and the body. We can argue about that, speak about that intellectually. We start to speak about Krishna Leela it's so far um, uh, removed, or not removed, but really from our perspective, beyond the 101 or the basic idea of the difference between matter and consciousness, that it starts to become unbelievable. But the point I'm making is that the more you actually apply your intellect to a trans, your reason, to a trans-rational method of knowing, which is what the Bhagavad is emphasizing, hmm, to, to go beyond the boundaries of 
mind and intellect and experience the I, that I am, hmm? the more you do that, the more such leelas and so forth become believable. <laughs> they become believable. They become understandable. Hmm? The more we identify with matter, the less understandable they are because we're used to things that only have, there are limitations, there are restrictions. Hmm? And, um, and so we, could call, we call them maybe stories that have lessons, but they're mythological. We may process some value to them, but uh, especially, um, and it's, it's interesting to note that you have your neo-Adwaitans in the world today, um, and it's a popular kind of idea. I think it's very much, much of the neo-Dwaitan doctrine is very much a misunderstanding of the uh, doctrine of, of Shankar and so forth. And they'll be, they'll be very much often non-believing and not giving much credit to the leelas of Krishna. Hmm? Certainly not much taste for that. And, um, and, uh, and so the, the extent to which they have trouble identifying with them liking them hmm, is the extent to which they're having trouble actually entering into that the, they're thinking about it uh, that, that it's all one and so forth and talking about it and in many instances pretending to have realized it uh, and sitting and giving the discourse are there any questions hmm. and then someone asks a question and they said the problem is you're thinking and everybody, oh, yeah, oh, that is the problem. Hmm? The question is the problem. You are. Hmm? I, you know, I mean, I've <laughs> seen something in the early. I don't know what people get out of that. Um, uh, but, um, <laughs> but on the other hand, Shankaracharya, hmm? what, if, what love, even though he interpreted them, of course, in a way that's unpalatable to us in one sense, the leelas of Krishna. Such value he posited to them that indeed in places he, he expressed a desire simply to retire in Vrindavan on the banks of the Jamuna and to contemplate the pastimes of Gopal Krishna. Hmm? Uh, Shankar was not of the opinion, in other words, that these leelas were imaginary, just stories written down, that they actually existed. Hmm? Of course, he thought of them as a sattvic manifestation of Brahman hmm? that, that, that kind of uh, uh, folded itself up. And it, it, Madhusudan Saraswati, the great uh, um, Advaitan during the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you can see the, the power of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, teachings and doctrine at the time. He was a contemporary of Mahaprabhu. He never met Mahaprabhu, but but he was he, he must have been around when Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu was written, and the, and these Bhakti movements were there were a number of them were gaining credibility. He wrote a book called Bhakti Rasayana, where he analyzed all the rasas, and um, differently than Rupa Goswami, coming with Brahman as the highest or Shanta as the highest, and so on and so forth. And his his commentary, for example, on Gita is just full of more. He loves Krishna more than some devotees. <laughs> some devotees, they, they, they want to criticize that, no, Krishna is, is Param Brahman, he's not just a sattvic manifestation, Saguna Brahman, and, 
and they're right about that. But but if you if you hear Madhusudan Saraswati, you think yeah, he loves loves the the false Krishna more than people devotees love the real Krishna. Hmm? Uh, so uh, they they gave a lot, they 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 considered this is the fullest manifestation of Saguna Brahman in the world. It, uh, it had great faith in the in the and I want to say the 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 reality of Krishna Leela. Some had they they would say that the Leelas would be relished up to the point of Jivan Mukta. Hmm? Uh, one who's a Jivan Mukta, experienced in Jivan Mukti, whose Parabdha is still playing itself out, but the rest of his karma is completely um, absolved, resolved, hmm? uh, self-realized. He's in the penultimate state of realization in that path before Videha Mukti, entering into Brahman. And in that stage, you will relish the leelas of Krishna and so forth, contemplating them. It's, this is how they would look at it. So they go you know, pretty far with it, and then suddenly, of course, the leela disappears in their tamingila, to use the language of Bhaktisiddhanta, whale-swallowing um, philosophy that, uh, that sounds like they're appreciating everybody, but ultimately <laughs> swallowing everybody, and there's nothing left but their idea. Hmm? It's interesting because the the um, perennialism, a form the, the prominent form of perennialism, is one that appears to honor all the different traditions, all aiming at transcendence: Sufism, esoteric Christianity, Buddhism, uh, Bhakti, uh, Vaishnavism, and so forth. All different ways relative to one's culture to speaking about the absolute. All glorious. All going in the same direction all speaking about the ineffable um, from their finite and cultural perspective in a way that will bring them to the ineffable, ineffable that which you cannot speak about, think about, which is Brahman. Hmm. And so they, they really don't honor anybody. They, they say all the, all them are, all the different paths which posit something other, hmm, like we posit a different prem prayojan. Hmm. This is our ideal. Not, not um, Brahma Sayuja. Hmm? So they do they honor Bhakti then? Hmm? Mahaprabhu said, "Better to be, better to have no truth than half truth. Half truth is worse than no truth." This is his opinion with regard to to Mayavad and Buddhism. He said. Buddhism is no truth. They they outwardly say there is no God. And Mayavad says, there's God. But then he disappears at a certain point and uh, he said, so this is very tricky, this is prob- problematic. <laughs> so, at any rate, the, the more that we enter into that reality of that I am consciousness, hmm? The more than the, the 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 possibilities that lie there come to be uh, within a, the realm of our experience, the, uh, that which appears. I mean, for that matter, the very idea that there is consciousness independent to, from matter seems to be a fantasy, an entire myth, a belief, a faith that is a deviation from reasoning to many people in the world. 
intellectuals in the scientific and philosophical community. Hmm? And they reason about it, um, relatively speaking, very well, reason themselves away. I mean, it doesn't really make any sense to be reasoning that, you, that your reasoning makes, has no meaning <laughs> and value, ultimately. Hmm? Yeah. But anyway, there people are, are so uh, absorbed with the misuse of, of intellect. So only as much, my point is, as we go in that direction, hmm? and it's, it's as courageous as entering into Agasura's mouth. Hmm? It would look like we will risk everything to go there. Hmm? Isn't it? We have to risk everything to go there. So it will look like all risked and maybe nothing gained. If there's a theory that something will be gained, that there's something tangible on the other side, hmm? this, of course, is where the sadhus come to help us. Hmm? And that's why we get faith by association with those who have faith. Shadavan Janahe. Shadavan Janahe. Faithful men for persons. This is who have divine faith, this is the company we want to keep. Hmm? They stand like great lighthouses on the shore in the night, hmm? showing the way on the sea that we may sail out in the darkness into the night, into the ocean, hmm? without fear of being captivated. Or that we, the other, the other, we make our way to the shore hmm? from the ocean of of. Uh, of material existence. We can go either way and land on the shores of, of, of Krishna consciousness or leave the, 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 the ground of material existence and enter into the waves of, of, of the bhakti, bhakti rasamritam, sindhu. Hmm? Uh, point is, these sadhus, they, are, they, they, have, they have left everything behind. We can say, as I often say, that, it, that I don't believe in Krishna. I don't believe in God. But it would be more difficult to say, I don't believe in love of God. Hmm? Where, this, is our, this is our chinti beta Wherever you see love of God, God is there. Hmm? And there are symptoms for that, of course. And the symptoms are, one, in a basic sense, in a very basic sense, that they're detached. Hmm? Even even the psadika is living in a way that horrifies people. What? You don't do this? You gave up that? How could you live without that? Hmm? You see, there's a lot of things you could live without. Hmm? But the more that you think you cannot, the more you think you will need hmm, in order to, to exist. If by, even if by force of circumstances you are forced to live with less, Hmm? you will find that you, you become more philosophical. That's what happens. Hmm? If you get thrown in a jail, for example, you get tortured, you have to think why, purpose, meaning, you have to go within. Forced austerity even activates the, the inward kind of thinking that uh, where we can find deeper meaning and, and tolerate and, and so forth. Hmm? So, Faith in this idea hmm, 
It is, it is, not, un, it is not unreasonable. Hmm? We are the question that Shastra is the answer to. Human life is the question. Why? Hmm? What is the meaning? And so forth. As I said earlier, this can't be, yes, it can't be answered by nature because it's, it's a question that pertains to consciousness, not the animal side of ourselves. So we need revelation for that. Hmm? And, 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 and that is the idea of the finite revealing itself, or the infinite, excuse me, revealing itself to the finite. This is the basic idea behind revelation. Revelation isn't some dusty old book that uh, you know should be discarded in modern times. It, it's the principle hmm, that that if the if the if the fi- infinite wants to reveal itself to the finite, the finite uh, can can know it. Otherwise, not. Just to break it down, uh, if the if the world, which is bigger than ourselves, materially speaking, wants itself to be known, it 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 can be known. The secrets of nature are often uh, understood in, in in ways that transcend the disciplines in science for knowing them, hmm? math and um, and controlled experiment and so forth and reasoning about evidence. So it, it often is trumped by moments of inspiration hmm? that come from beyond thinking. And the and the puzzle is solved, and the secret of nature is revealed. Something like that. Hmm? And this is our approach, of course. Um, we are not approaching nature to at a request that all of her her secrets will re, be revealed, but that that her source w- will be revealed. So we we approach nature in in a, in a loving way respecting nature, we are engaged in jivahimsa as is being discussed in the context of this leela, showing kindness to others. And as I say, if you love someone, they'll reveal their secrets. But we're not, someone will say, well, okay, you're all lovers of nature, but are you finding out more about it than science is? We say, yes, we are finding about her source, hmm? what animates her. And that's what we're interested in, not the details. Uh, We're not getting lost in the details. So, my point, overriding point here is what? That, that, f- that actually reason is most uh, useful and beautiful when it is, becomes an assistant of faith. Hmm? In other words, as I said, Jiva Goswami said, well, uh, Shastra is, the, is our evidence for knowing beyond, comprehensively in a way that we cannot know with mind and sense perception. But he's made the point, citing in his Sarvasambhadini from Purushottam uh, Tantra, what? That the Uttam Pramanam is Shastra Yukti. What is Shastra Yukti? Shastra Yukti is you have the Shastra, hmm, and you have the reasoning about the Shastra, that one who has taste for it, hmm, having applied himself or herself, the reasoning that... that, that as to its significance, its implications, um, playing them out, the ramifications and so forth. This is what brings the whole Shastra to life. So this means the devotee hmm, and the Shastra and one who has a taste for it, for it, reasoning about it. That's a special kind of reasoning with feeling for it that can answer the questions and make those kind of statements like Prabhupada, 
why is it like this in Krishna Leela? When they eat, what happens to the food? And he would say, why don't you go there and find out? Those kind of answers. They're like, uh, yeah, that's the answer. I'm thinking too much. This is the idea of really, who, who, who really knows? <laughs> They're not just memorizing. Shastri Yukta means that he does the, that's not the God who just memorizes all the verses and knows them, but has feeling for them, hmm? whose own words become verses and sutras uh, and, and, and so forth. So th- th- this means this, this is where reason then is most beautiful, most meaningful, unto itself, detached from faith, from divine faith. It is circular. Hmm? And it is a bankrupt industry today in the world. This is what happened in, West, in the Western world. At a certain point in history, philosophy became unhinged from theology. Hmm? And the mind was free to ramble. And so it has. And it rambles to the point of, do we exist? And the existential angst of, of Western, um, Western existence and, and now reasoning and philosophy of mind is so that there's no self. And they're reasoning pretty good about the false ego, that it's just a false construct and so forth. But, but the, there's, there's not an I beyond that. That is lost... Uh, uh, on them. And this is the subject of the Bhagavad, the basic subject. This is the subject of the Upanishads. Mm-hmm. This hearing in good company, mm-hmm. we can imbibe this kind of faith for, for, and that should translate out into applying ourselves accordingly. That is what we call Sharanagati. Mm-hmm. It is sixfold. It has five moods that correspond with it. Uh, to go through briefly what we have Anukul yasya sankalpa, anukul patikul, anukul patikul asya vardhanam, to accept what is favorable to bhakti, to reject what is unfavorable to bhakti. The mood behind this is a promise, hmm? a vow. I will, I, will, I will accept what is favorable to bhakti and I will reject what is unfavorable to bhakti. Hmm? You make a commitment like this. We may fail also at some point in our practice. It may be weak, but we pick ourselves up and again, we make a kind of commitment. And you can see the value of this. When we are actually successful in accepting what is favorable to bhakti and rejecting what is unfavorable, we transcend the dualities that the mind and senses produce of what is good and what is bad, what is happy and what is sad. We have a new set a new standard of what is good and what is bad. Hmm? And even if it is bad or unpleasing, let us say, to my senses, for example, to rise early in the morning, hmm? I do it because it's favorable for bhakti. And arguably, when this is in place, really in place, then my my vrat, my promise, my commitment is steady hmm? rather than unsteady. In bhakti terminology, I've come to the stage of nishta, and I'm, I'm in, I'm, I am now in a consistent state of experiential spiritual life. Hmm? I'm having experience. Now the rules are, t- are turning into realizations. Hmm? This is 
this is Sharanagati. It, it's very practical. It, 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 you, will, you will transcend the dualities, it means, of material existence. Anukul, pratikul, and then what? Gopritve, varanam. This is the way we're talking about here. Gopritve, varanam. No, no. Rakshikshatiti vishvashvo. Rakshikshatiti means that I embrace the idea that Krishna is my protector. Krishna will protect me. Hmm? We should think like this. Um, because we see, actually, that in the full face of bhakti, that is the case. Krishna does protect. Krishna does maintain. That is the, 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 ne- the next limb. Gopritvevaranam tata. That is the, how the, um, you say, the, the, the suruplakshan of Sharanagati, the central, the, the principal characteristic of Sharanagati. Krishna will maintain me. That is sarvadharman pratyajama mekam sharadam praja. That is, Krishna will take, will protect me. Will not protect me. Will, will maintain me. I will get my sustenance from Him. And we see it. He says it. Yoga chemam bahamiham. And there are examples hmm, in the lives of great devotees. When we think, well, I'm not a great devotee. Krishna won't maintain me. But we should think like that. That He will, because we will develop a sangskar hmm, for taking shelter of Krishna. That Krishna will protect me. Hmm. Sometimes we say, well, why didn't Krishna protect me? I think. Um, Mm-hmm. But keep thinking that he should. He, I have more. If I become more of a devotee, Krishna will protect me. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's protecting me in ways that I don't know, and so on and so forth. But the cowherds here they exhibit this, and the mood behind this, Rakshik Chatiti Vishvash, Krishna will protect me, is Vishvash Vishvas. It's a. It means faith, but it means like confidence. Vishrambena Vishrambena is the pradhan mm-hmm. of Sakirasa. So this is very prominent here hmm? in Agasur Leela. It is the it is the, the real kind of the basis. Vishramba. Vishrambhina Guru Seba, we find this in Rupa Goswami's language with regard to Sadhana Bhakti. That serving the Guru with confidence. And it means that confidence means affection and a sense of intimacy. And I'm I feel comfortable. Not afraid of my guru. I feel comfortable. Hmm? And I can get the answers, and uh, and 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 with him we can go anywhere. We can we can we can we will be successful in any venture, on his order. Yes, so we will be successful. I was when I was a young boy, and my parents. I was born in just outside of New York City, in the Holy Name Hospital. <laughs> fortunately. Uh, and when I was about eight, they moved to the suburbs, northern northern suburbs of uh, Chicago in the Midwest, where a lot of Polish people live, as you may know. Um, and um, uh, and so we were in a new neighborhood. We were just uh, there were only five houses in our neighborhood at that time, and um, so there was a lake. We would go in the winter and ice skate on. We were like eight, nine years old, my brother and I. And uh, and they were older boys in the neighborhood, and so they would they would um, bully us. Hmm? And so it was problematic because we liked to go and skate, and they would bully us. And, and so then one day my father came and skated with us on the ice. Hmm? We were the same boys. We were still younger and incapable of protecting ourselves, but 
because our father was there, we could skate up and make faces at the older boys and, and so on and so forth, fearlessly, something like that. <laughs> so um, this is how they felt in the company of Krishna. This is how we should feel in the company of our, our guru. Hmm? They had firm faith, confidence. Krishna will protect us. And off they marched into the mouth of Agasura. What kind of danger is that? I mean, this is how it's being played out. You see, the, this is a python that's like nine miles long. Hmm? How big is his mouth? Hmm? Once he closes that, you're finished. You have to understand the contrast that's being made here hmm? and see what was their faith, what was their sharanagati. Hmm? This is the one side. We look at it from a, from a sadhaka's point of view. We, we gather this from this instruction from the Leela hmm? and understand something very relevant to our progress. We should be cultivating this. Krishna will protect me. Krishna will maintain me. Hmm? Krishna may maintain me. The mood behind that is nirbharata, that, that uh, what? That, uh, that, that, yeah, Krishna is my maintainer. Hmm? And then, of course, the other two, uh, the Atmanic shape, Karpanye, the moods behind them, that resignation, I resign myself like an animal to Krishna, to be, he will, I'm in his care to do as he, as, he, as he wants, and humility. This is Sharanagati. But here, the main point, of course, is this, this is coming out, and it's very relative to the cowherd's life. Krishna will protect me. They are constantly getting into trouble and fearlessly. Hmm? They have, they, he is Abhicharan, hmm? at whose feet one will become fearless. Abhicharanaravinda, at whose lotus feet one is fearless. Hmm? So then from another point of view, they're entering in and, and we, we may look at their, their they have their staibhav of Sakirasa. Hmm? And and it's being augmented by the arguably the the, the sanchari, sanchari garuva. It's called. It means pride. It manifests in different ways. Uh, this is pride, pride, pride and haughtiness hmm, at having having taken shelter of Krishna. They think Krishna will completely take care of us. We're completely uh, under his care, and so in in their haughtiness, they speak. Uh, ill about uh, Agasura. It is a snake, they've concluded, and, and, and we are going to enter in there, and, and we, we're, we're not concerned. We see what you're trying to do. We're not worried about it at all, because if you try it, he'll kill you just like he killed your brother Baka. There, how do you like that? This is the way they talk to him. Hmm? They'd like to agitate him that much more. With some, some pride and uh, some kind of spiritual... Arrogance in the context of their their sakurasa, hmm? and so of course they they enter into his mouth, and then Krishna's now Krishna's how the sentiments are being played out hmm? in Krishna Lila. Krishna doesn't want them to enter in hmm? because it's a problematic situation, hmm? but they want to enter in. There are two wills: the will of the devotee and the will of Bhagwan. Hmm? They want to enter in, and they they want to see him uh, exp- express his his prowess, his ability to 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 protect them, to, to ratify, to confirm that he is their uh, protector, that, that 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 he he's a worthy shelter, and so on and so forth. Hmm? 
um, and uh, and he doesn't want to because you see it is problematic. And Yoga Maya is there; she's got two wills: the will of the devotee and the will of Bhagawan. Hmm? And the will of the devotee wins out. Krishna's experiences Bishmai astonishment. This is another um, rasa hmm? astonishment at the power of his Yoga Maya hmm? and how she would take the will of the devotees over his own will hmm? to bring out within him Karuna Rasa. Hmm? This is all that's going on here. All these sentiments in the context of Sakya Rasa are all being tasted. Hmm? They're tasting the samchari of pride. Krishna's tasting Bishmai, astonishment at his Lila Shakti, hmm? her audacity in a sense to as I said, she will facilitate the will of the devotees. Maya Shakti will not facilitate your free will. Ma, uh, Sarup Shakti will. And, and taking precedence over Krishna's will. He didn't want them to enter. They wanted to enter. She allowed them to enter. And as a result, Krishna tasted Karana Rasa. You asked about this the other day. This sympathetic, pathetic Rasa. This uh, compassionate Rasa. Hmm? So he, 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 now he felt... They're in difficulty. Hmm? I have to uh, empathize with them, their, pl- their plight, and be the solution. Hmm? So he marches into the mouth of Agasura, hmm? and he closes his mouth. This is what he wanted. He was waiting for Krishna to enter. Hmm? Uh, he thought, if the boys enter, the calves enter, then he'll enter too. So now he's thinking he's successful. And Kamsa... Uh, is somehow being informed by his invisible spies. Uh, they didn't have iPhones. I don't know how they did it, but uh, the Bhagavatam describes that, that Kams has get, got these spies, he, he knows, and, and they're starting to celebrate. Hmm? He's in the mouth. It's gone. He's gone in. Finally, success. Aga, Sura. The Mahasura has, has done it. Meanwhile, the gods are feeling, now they're experiencing some kind of, um, how do you say, what is it? They, some, some uh, um, I forget the Sanskrit term, but some nervousness, some appreh- apprehension. Appreh- they're being plunged into the sentiment of apprehension and and, and 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 of course, Krishna. Then what does he do? He, he invisible to all because the cowards have now passed out just from the fumes inside of the mouth of Agasura, hmm? and so he does what he wouldn't do in public, like in the Damodar Leela earlier on, when he was being tied with the rope, and it was always two inches too short, no matter how much rope was attached. He wasn't getting fatter and fatter all the time. He was staying the same size, hmm? but still showing, I'm everywhere. Hmm? I'm Brahman. I'm everywhere. You cannot tie me up. How can you, wrap, how can you put a rope around Brahman? How can you measure consciousness? This is what we want to do in the material world. We want to measure consciousness. Hmm? Because we can't measure it, people think it's not there. We can't measure the force of consciousness like we can measure this force or that force, uh, magnetic forces or gravitational forces, we cannot measure... Con- you say there's consciousness and it's influencing the world. We can't measure it. 
Yes, you can't measure it. Hmm? Because it's immeasurable. Hmm? Why is it immeasurable? Uh, can a ruler measure itself? It does the measuring. Consciousness measures. Hmm? So again, can a ruler measure itself? Hmm? So this is going about it the, the wrong way. Hmm? Hmm. So, inside the, the, the throat of Agasura, then he expands himself. Hmm? Huge form. To see that would be a little unpleasant in, in, for the Brajabhasis. But he's inside the snake, so no problem. And then he suffocates, and what? His life air comes out of his head and, and is wandering, hanging in the sky. And Krishna wakes the cowherds up, glances at them, brings them and the calves to life again. Out they come. And what does everyone see? All the gods now are <gasps> just plunged into joy. And, and, the, and the Kamsa and his spies, are, their, their hopes have plummeted now. Agasur has been killed. Oh, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and, Krishna, and the form, and the, and the, 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 the Atma of Aga enters into to Krishna. It's a way of saying, what, who, is this? who is this cowherd? Hmm? He killed him and his Atma entered into him and all the gods are making... This is, of course, now cause for Brahma to uh, come and take notice. Agasura is given Sayuja and as the text goes on, we see then he's given Sarupya. This is an interesting point, of course. Hmm? He didn't get Raghunuga Bhakti. He didn't have a soul that said Gopi on it inside. No. Hmm? It's by what Sangha we have, what kind of form we will have, what kind of prospect we will have in Leela. Hmm? Why couldn't Lakshmi enter the Rasa dance? Because she didn't practice Raghunuga Bhakti. Hmm? If Agasura had practiced Raghunuga Bhakti, would he have got Sayuja Mukti? Would he have got Sarupya Mukti? No. They would have got like a like a cowherd body, a gopa or a gopi. Hmm? And how would he have been able to do that if he had had this, such association? Hmm? You understand? Hmm? Something in us makes it possible for us to interact with the association in such a way that we can have a relationship that, that takes a shape hmm? in bhava. Hmm? So anyway, he got sarupya mukti. It's a great blessing of Krishna. And then we come to the end of this chapter and Raj Parikshit asks, or Sukadev says, and so in this way, unlike every other day, hmm, the cowherds returned home with Krishna and the cabs. But this story of what happened was not told for one year. So then Parikshit Mara says, why not? You really got me going here on the edge of my seat. Why? Why wasn't it explained for one year? What? What is that all about? And Sukadev Goswami has has what happened. He said, and this has was not told for one year, and then he passed out. Hmm? Sukadev Goswami went into a trance, and he was lost. Hmm? Hearing about this Leela. This is very important Leela. <laughs> and then so but but he had ended it with with that statement and it's perked the curiosity of Maharaj Parikshit. So he asked the kind of question that brought him out of the trance. Hmm? We should have that kind of inquiry of our guru 
gave that that he, that it interests him. Hmm? You say any questions? Okay, I can try to give that psychological question and answer. And if I find somebody's really reading the books and study them, has some, then it's very interesting because that's where we may, we're preoccupied with such things. Hmm? That's where Guya Maketi Prachati comes. Hmm? When we start to come on the same page and we are interested in the same subjects and in the same, with the same depth and so forth, then we want to share those, those things that much more. So Parikshit Marsh ardently inquiring, he's really interested in this. He said, you know, you can't go into a trance now like that. Why did, why, what is the mystery behind this? Why it wasn't told for one year? There's more to this. This is fascinating in itself, but now you've, you know, it's like, and the movie ends there, and then you, the fans are so interested that the publishers, uh, the, 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 the publishers, the, the um, producers think, hey, we've got, we got something going here. We could have a sequel here. here. We could have, um, you know, The Matrix 2 or something like that, or Rocky Revisited or something. Uh, uh, we could make a James Bond out of this whole thing here, a series. So there's, there's money in this. There's, there's an audience. So Pariksha Marsh, and it only takes one. Hmm? That kind of interest. Keep Sukadev going. Keep him going. Keep him talking. We offer our Dandavat Pranam to Parikshit Marsh. He's keeping keeping it going, keeping that Harikata going by his by his inquiry. Then the next chapter will come and so forth. And Brahma will come and you have to follow me to California to hear the rest. Kantaras Simad Bhagavatam Kijai. What's the time? Ten minutes till eleven. Ten to eleven. So we have to leave, right? Shortly. So we have a date. So you have to save your questions for this evening. Please come again. We'll have questions. And then tomorrow morning we leave, right? Right. Most of you will be leaving. So hopefully you'll come tonight. We'll 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 discuss some more. Now I have to go sign a paper to form an association in Poland so we can have an official mission here, something like that. Jai. Bhagavat Jai. Jai. Jai.